Let's hear it, JR. Thank you, my friend. Hi, thank you. Thank, how is everybody? Um, if you go to uh, JR Man, JR M A H O N, uh, at JR Man, Instagram, Twitter, all those, you can find a video of me this morning in front of your pastor's house scraping the ice off of his car windshield. Um, I'm from Southern California. I, I live in a town called Carlsbad, California, which is near San Diego. Um, I was explaining to the earlier service what a Santa Ana wind is. It comes off the desert. It can be hot and beautiful and wonderful, and, and, and it is. And it's not like what happened today at all. And uh, that's kind of frightening and shocking. And uh, I took pictures, and I will be uh, uh, sending those to the kids, and, and, and they won't want it to come home with me. Um, so, but um, yesterday I had a chance to go to Weaver's. Huh? Huh? We do not have that in San Diego. We need that in San Diego. Like we went to the bow section with the, th you know what I'm talking about? And I have only seen like a, like, a, like a regular one. There's ones that look like guns. Have you seen this? Right? Everybody's like, yeah, man, we get it. In, in San Diego, they would like handcuff you to a tree. They'd be like, no, that's not. But I mean, that's real. I want to come back and do that. that. That looks like fun for me. And then they have a shooting range, right? A shooting range. And then I was told yesterday about the place we're all going to lunch, and I've been making it a joke you know, for the last 24 hours. What's it called again? Shady Acres? Shady Maples. You all know this? Okay. See, now you all are like, yeah, man, we know this. I don't know this. I want to know this. The only, the closest thing probably in San Diego we have is like Denny's, right? But you all know Denny's, right? They're not doing apparently what the Shady Maples is, right? Or no, right? Apparently you can get anything, right? Anything? Was there pizza? Oh, mac and cheese. Uh, pork and beans? Oh, that's like not even funny. Right? In California, if you come over to my house, like, we'll have, we'll have, and I'm eventually going to get to stuff that we're really supposed to talk about, I promise. <laughs> and so if you come to my house, like, uh, like, because we have a lot of people over Friday, Saturday nights, because my life is nuts, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about why it's nuts. So people come over, and this is California, they'll be like, um, is there nuts? Will you have nuts? I'm like, well, we're going to, we'll have like spaghetti and like meatballs. Uh, I like nuts. That's the only thing I eat. That's California. So if this woman that I know that I'm thinking of would go to, if she's listening, right, if she goes to Shady, Ma Shady Maples, Maple, she would not like it. Not like it. So God bless y'all, and next time I come back, we're, we're going right, to, right off the plane right there. Um, okay, let's talk about what we're really supposed to talk about. Um, how are you? Are you good? It's, this is a conversation. It's like, oh, who's the guy going to talk to us about porn? And then they all point to JR. You do it, dude. Um, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, and I didn't tell the first service, and I didn't even tell the guys yesterday. So we had a big guy thing yesterday. How many guys were there yesterday? Okay, very good. So we had a, it was super, super guy yesterday, just so the ladies know. It's like, you want to talk about a bunch of dudes that planned things like 10 minutes ago? Like, that's what happened yesterday. But, like, that's, like, the best part about it. I'm literally speaking like this yesterday, and Bob, you all know Bob? Bob was behind me cooking bacon. I'm like, and here's the reason you shouldn't look at porn. A boss back there like, you know what I mean? It was like, what? So my life is not, um, I'm going to be 50 in January. Please send cards and cash. Um, I have three adopted kids, a sibling group of three, same mom, different dads. I'll give you a little bit snapshot of that in a moment. 
I uh, currently, up until, uh, I currently am the executive producer uh, for the Fox in San Diego. Uh, it basically means I'm, I'm, I'm the boss and I help television get on the air. Uh, I'm also a spiritual director and a pastor, so the, the stuff I'm going to say today should make sense um, when it comes to a Jesus-y type of situation. Um, uh, my wife and I have been married 24, like, 24 years. She's Sicilian. Uh, I'm Irish. So you imagine how that worked out? At the wedding, we had a metal detector and an alcohol counselor available. I'm just, these are true things. John laughs like it's not true. It's true. Um, all her family, all my family, like, you know, everybody immigrated into New York. So um, you can just imagine what my household's like. Um, so I've got this other part of me beyond the television side. In 2000, I took a hiatus from the business to help start a thing called Triple X Church, xxxchurch.com. It's still up and running. You can go check it out. Fear not when you go to that site. It will not bring up uh, scantily clad women. It will bring up help and support for us who struggle with the issue. And when I say us, I don't assume anything. I understand that we all are dealing with pornography, every single one of us. Um, and that's the, that's, that's the realness of it. So I helped start that early in, in, in early 2000, 2000, about 2006. And part of it is, is when I left. is about 2006 I peeled away because I adopted these children. Um, and one of the things we would do is we would go to uh, porn conventions, right? So, so, so the, the, the porn industry has conventions like the housing industry would or like the Home Depot uh, you know, industry would. Like, you know how you go to the home show, right? And you see the new kitchens and the new bathrooms and like, you know, what are, they, what are the new hoses like this year, right? So the porn industry does the same thing. They have two big ones. They have a lot of them, but the two big ones are in L.A. and Vegas. One is designed just for the industry, so it's just industry insiders talking and selling their wares among themselves. And then the second one in L.A., which is called L.A. Erotica. I know, they're real creative, right? Um, the second one is in L.A. is meant for everyone. And then uh, the proliferation of these conventions has now landed into almost every market in the country since I've been doing it in 2000. So 16 years later, it used to be just two porn conventions. Now there's probably 20. Um, and they hope you come, and they hope you come. And they're very tactical about the demographics and how to get you there. So, and I don't, and again, tactics meaning they know we all gravitate toward this desire, and we're going to talk a lot about that. So that's my experience. So I would go to shows. I would go to these shows, and they're three, four days long, and, and, and we would give out Bibles. Believe it or not, they would not kick us out. In fact, they would ask us back, like they would ask us back. I went to the Miami porn show, and the guys gave us a discount on the booth. Come. Come, we want you here. Imagine, imagine this, an industry that we would think, as a bunch of cool Christians hanging out, would, would think like, you know, they want nothing to do with this. They wanted us back. In fact, they started to refer to us as porn pastors. Right? Imagine me telling that to somebody at a cocktail party. Hey, what do you do for a living, JR? You look like a nice guy. I'm a porn pastor. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. My mom would always be like, I don't tell anybody what you do because it's too weird. So we became the de facto pastors to an industry that does, something, that does something to all of us and literally divides and splits our relationships apart. 
Um, and I want you to know, again, I, I'm, I'm up here. There's no guilt and there's no shame on, with me or near me when it comes to this situation. So no matter how you walked in here or no matter who you know that also has this struggle, I want you to know there's no, there's no guilt and shame. And this is where we take it off the table. We take it off the table because we are dealing with something that is alive in all of us. And the shame and the guilt that puts on it keeps us quiet. So again, I've been doing this so long, the one thing I can tell you about pornography is it solos you. It keeps you siloed, alone, away from other people. Which is why when we walk into the lobby or when we walk into you know, any gathering, we, we, don't, we don't shout from the top uh, you know, of our mouths about when and where's the last time we looked at porn or when is the last time we had that desire and we wanted to because we keep it quiet. You know, a little, you know, I'll just, give you, I'll just give you some rough numbers about the industry, its present day. It used to be, like 16 years ago, um, you know, the porn industry is a, is, a, is a wild thing. And I told the guys yesterday, and I didn't tell the earlier service, but this is, this is true. eBay, Craigslist, any buy and sell technology online was basically started with guys who were pushing porn out um, late in the 90s. All the technology to buy, sell, push, like get it to you, downloading video, like any of that technology that you use today, right? You know, Instagram, how you can do your own story and it uploads somewhere, then it flushes down into a little algorithm, you know, that sees pictures and video. That all comes from the porn industry, y'all. All that technology comes from the porn industry because they figured it out early on that you wanted to see images, not only images, but video. So we have to understand that the, world, that the internet is really dominated by this, by this industry, $42 billion a year pump into this industry. That's more than Major League Baseball. That's more than the NFL, right? That's more than, what did I say, baseball, football, and basketball and the NBA combined. Combined. So think about the arenas you will go to. Who's rooting for who today? New England? Philly? Chargers? No one cares. Good, good. <laughs> I don't want to be partisan. Um, so think about it. The, all those combined still don't equal what porn's pulling in a year um, globally. And, and, that's, and that's kind of frightening. 35% of all internet downloads, 35% of all internet downloads, porn. 30% of all data transferred across the internet, porn. 624,000 child porn traders have been discovered online in the U.S. Over a half a million, this is the last couple of years, over a half a million people chucking child porn out onto the net in the U.S. Child porn alone, a three billion with a B dollar industry. So remember, I told you about those three kids that I adopted. And unbeknownst to me, like when we adopted these kids, I was fully squarely into the industry. I was like in the, in the thick, in the heart of doing Triple X Church and traveling for a living and meeting with porn stars and porn producers on a regular basis and working them through their issues and working people through their issues who were suffering from pornography. And bam, three kids land on my doorstep. And this is how crazy God is, right? Because God is crazy. When you get into it with God, man, he will, he will he'll mix it up. It's, it's like going to the maple sugar place. What is it? What is it? It's like going to Shady Maple. It's crazy, right? So he drops three kids into my lap, all of which at the time had been sold into the industry in one point or another. And I don't say that to everybody, go, although I do want it to hit you a little bit. Because I do want you to know that none of us in this room, and we're going to talk about this, are so far away 
from that type of behavior. That we should just let it hit us and go, oh, that's too bad, and we walk away. Because in some form, again, everybody in this room is dealing with it at some level. If you're a teenager, I guarantee you, you are feeling it and you know what I'm talking about. Particularly the girls who feel it necessary to rearrange their lives for a perfect image online and most of it in a sexually provocative manner. For the dudes, it's where is it and can I see it? If you move into young marrieds, I guarantee if you're young married in here, I guarantee it got dragged into the marriage in some way. If you've been married for a while, I've married 24 years, and I told the first service, like, you know, sex was different for us in the beginning as it is now, but in some ways, as you cascade through a relationship and intimacy sometimes can erode, porn will find that and grab hold. And if you're single and you live by yourself, it's on. And if you're a senior in this room today, and for those of us who don't think seniors are affected by it, let me help. My mom, 70-something, my dad, 80-something, have iPhones now and have laptop computers. And the big, one of the biggest uh, you know, projected stats of demographics who are looking at it are seniors. What? Seniors? Yeah, seniors. They got the laptops in the time now. Women surge in the last 10 years watching it, taking it in. A little bit different with women because they like to read it, and erotica is huge. So erotica, the written word of porn, erotica, love it. And most people think that there's nothing wrong with erotica, the written word. It's funny how we think as a, as a people. The written word can be just as powerful as an image or as a piece of video. So you have to understand that it has proliferated. It is here. It has arrived. The wave isn't somewhere off the shore. The boat has fully pulled into dock, and here we are. And I, and I say congratulations for your courage as a community to come forward and go, yeah, we're going to talk about this because it needs to be out front. And your pastor who deeply cares for your hearts really wants this to be the conversation today. So I talk and I turn now to the understanding of flesh and blood understanding of the issue. So for a long time I kept hearing these sentences like, oh, I'm going to pray to have this taken away from me. I'm going to pray not to get involved with porn. I'm going to pray and I hope porn never gets away from me. God will heal me. God will heal me. Hear me correctly. God will heal you. God will heal you. I mean, really hear that. But there is a flesh and blood component that needs to be on top of this issue, which means that whoever you came with today, and I really want you to think about it, my man, whoever came with you today, you are intimately connected with, or whoever you are sitting next to right now, you are intimately connected with in some fashion. You have shared things about your life. You have celebrated birthdays with. Maybe you have you know, phoned them when things and times were down, or maybe you just congratulated them on the new job, but in some way, you're connected. And what I want everybody to know is the flesh and blood component today is when you walk out of here, I want you to be able to talk about it with that person. I want you to be able to talk about it with your own struggle or with somebody else's struggle or be the person that just listens, right? Just sits and listens. Or maybe you've got a lot of talking to and you're hoping that they just listen. But what I really want to do is make sure that when you leave here, there's no shame and there's no guilt. Because all of us, all of us have stuff inside of us. Every single one of us. Jesus did not come for the healthy. You know, he didn't come and be like, yo, you're... you're yeah, you're good. John, you're good. I, I, I'm going to die, but, but not for you because you're real good. All of us. All of us. And in that manner, he wanted intimate connection with each of us. And the intimate connection is really what's going to squash 
the porn problem, or as I like to say, have it, have it not chase you as much in the dark, because this is chasing people in the dark. It is chasing people in the dark. It keeps us quiet. It keeps us underground. It keeps us away from our spouses, best friends, brothers, neighbors, community of God. It keeps us quiet. Don't tell anybody. Don't say anything. Although enjoy it while you can. And when it does that, it destroys the spirit of God that messes inside of us that wants us to enjoy life more abundantly. And we have to understand that. And you're going to hear me later on, you can hear me right now say, tell on somebody too. Tell on somebody. That frightens a few of you, I know. Because people know, and they get it. And I really want the conversation out loud. No guilt, no shame. No guilt and no shame. At the end of the day, I want you to rethink sex, not porn, right? We already know porn is what porn is. That's why we don't run through the mall and yell, I watch porn, I've seen porn. My boyfriend watches porn. My husband watches porn. Look, 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 porn, porn. That's why we don't. We get it. At the end of the day, I want you to rethink sex. I want you to rethink your attitudes and your understanding and your education of what it is. And what it is, and we all know this and we've heard it a million times, is God created sex. Plain and simple. He created it. And in that act and in that creation, he's hoping for intimate connection that binds one to another. Not one to one. Not one to one. He wants intimate connection between one and another in the most intimate and deep and wonderfully pleasurable way that a human condition could have it. He really does. So then that brings to the, the front, do we trust God to deliver on what he's made? Do we trust him that he will take care of your sexual desire? Do we trust him to take care of our sexual desire? Or are we going to allow that be our own thing? In a dark little corner, hidden away from everybody else and those intimately connected with. Are we going to allow him? Are we going to trust him? And I want you to really think about that and answer that as you go through your day. Do I trust him? Will he take care of it for me? Will he allow it to be something wonderful and magical and crazy and nutty and fun and, and great? Because it is. Because it is. That's it, man. It is. So if we get there, rethinking sex is where I want you to be. Rethinking that as intimate connection between one another. Porn silos. Porn solos. Porn keeps you quiet. And it also destroys, and you'll hear me say this nine times, maybe ten, maybe ten, I don't know. It destroys the intimacy between people. And it's not just people you're married to or you hope to be married to or you're fond of. It's everything in your lives. So at this point, I'd like to talk to you about a guy named Bill um, that I knew who I took to jail. And one day he calls me and Bill says, uh, uh, and I didn't know Bill. He, he, he called. It was, I was working Triple X Church. It's like 2005, 2006. And, and he calls up and he's like, yo, I, I, I'm going to jail. I, I would like somebody to help me before I go to jail. And, and well, why are you going to jail? Well, the, the feds just kicked in my door and they found child porn on my computer. I downloaded it and I might have transferred. I might have. I transferred some images to some other people. Automatic seven years. It's a federal offense. And we took him to jail. So, so, so that's an extreme, or is that just what happens? That's what happens. 
You can start here in Pornville, y'all, with a Snapchat, maybe a naked Snapchat or, 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 or coupled still image. You can start here. And porn will cascade your life because we eat it up and it'll take you down. But here's the thing. There is no bottom floor in porn. It keeps going until it has all of you and all of the people you are connected with and every dime that you have and all of this and all it will shred it all apart. And again, you might be in the throes of it right now. Either you know somebody or it's you. You might be in the throes, and I want to warn everybody that the stairs will keep going lower. Bill tells the story, the guy that I took to jail, well, you know, I just, I used to look at it just a little bit, just a little bit. I was like anybody else. I was like anybody else. I just started looking at it a little bit, and then all of a sudden, like 10 years later, I'm here. I'm here. He never, ever had a dream of sitting in a federal pen for seven years. It wasn't his dream. Can't wait. Is it an extreme, or is it just the understanding of what porn does? It's the understanding of what porn does. I would do these shows, and I would meet and know hundreds of, 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 of porn actors and actresses, porn producers. You know, I never met a porn actor or actress that said to me, when I was 14, I dreamed of being a porn star. I never met a porn producer who said to me, man, when I was in college and, and getting my MBA, I couldn't wait to produce porn. We are talking about the manufacturing of so much guilt and shame to fill the void walking away from God because at the end of the day, that's really what it is and hear it real clearly. At the end of the day, we are doing everything we can to be God and walk away from God. But when we feel his loving touch, here's his loving touch, here's his loving touch. Ready for this? It's awesome flesh and blood. The people you came with today, and that's where I want to focus. The people, some of you, arm around arm, holding hands, intimately connected in this form right now. Maybe you're going to go do something later and you're going to enjoy your life. But that intimate connection, that's God's loving arm around you in flesh and blood. And that's where he wants to concentrate. And every time we hit porn and hit that desire, broken and beaten and keep it to ourselves, we ruin that. We ruin it. Now, does that make us bad? Paul says, Paul says, it's the sin that's in me. Not everything, not everything in me, because there is good stuff inside of us, y'all. This is where we celebrate this victory. We celebrate there is good stuff inside of us, and the turn to God's love is a turn against the lack of intimacy in our life. Because the lack of intimacy, I, I'm telling you, the lack of intimacy that our generation is facing right now is because we have a, a machine of over-sexualized institution raining down on us every single day. An example. Online, you can go get a lip pucker thing where you suck into it and it makes your lips big. What? Why do you want your lips big? Well, because it looks really nice. It looks hot. It looks hot. It looks sexy. And guess what? They sold out the first week they made this thing. Now, that's not me condemning or judging. I kind of am, but that's not me doing that. What it's really me doing is asking us as a group and a community, why are we doing that? Why are we allowing that into us? And the answer is real simple. The answer is there's something inside of us that needs to be filled, needs to be covered. Most of the time it's guilt and shame. 
guilt and shame. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'll never be the guy, the woman. I'll never be the wife, the husband, the son, the daughter, the cool guy at work, the guy that has the cool car, the clothes, the money. I'll never, I'll never be that. I'll never be that. I, my dad doesn't love me. My mom doesn't love me. I can't get this together. I can't get that right. I'm always constantly making mistakes. Guilt, shame, guilt, shame, guilt, shame. And then we sparse off into each addiction that humankind can ever imagine. From, 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 from gluttony to porn to, you, to shopping online to, to anything you want. To simply be rid of God the Father in hopes of, of some temporary arrangement that makes us feel good. Porn. Will God take care of your sexual desire? Will he take care of your sexual desire? Because God will not drop a dot-com in your lap to do that. He will give you the joy and freedom of a relationship that hopefully can be so deep and meaningful that when you wake up in the morning, you wonder how they are doing. Married 24 years. Yes, we've had our ups and downs. No doubt you can ask her. She'll be more honest than me. I would like you to believe that everything's perfect. But the Sicilian in her will tell you, it's not. And I can tell you, I can tell you, the thing that we struggle with the most is not our sex life. The thing that we struggle with the most is the intimate connection that we have to one another. And that usually bears itself out in the things that we are doing as individuals. I am not... I, I am, I'm a fellow traveler, is what I'm telling you. We all got stuff that we deal with. But at the end of the day, we need to connect back intimately. Go to the Corinthians verse for me, will you? My nice friend. This is 1 Corinthians 6, 16, 6, 16 through 20. It's the message translation. Um, I like the message translation. Uh, you know, for those of us in the room who are theologians, it just really gets it right down to the nitty-gritty. I like that. I will read the NIV. I know this church reads the NIV. I love the NIV. Don't get me wrong. I always say that because, you know, okay. Um, that's my pastor stuff. There's no more to sex. Read it on the screen with me. There's no more to sex than mere skin on skin. There's, sorry, there's no more. There's more to sex. How did I, what's that? What's he doing? There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. When we are in porn mode, and again, for me, pornography man has a, a lot of different arms to it. Porn just isn't watching two people going at it, okay? Porn can be as simple as you chasing an image on Snapchat, Instagram. If you're chasing it and meeting a desire away from God and intimate connection, porn. I talked about MySpace the last session. Remember MySpace? I know there's only one person in here. One, I do. <laughs> we know how old you are. We used to call MySpace porn training wheels back in the day because it was the first of its kind. Like Facebook wasn't around, Instagram, Snapchat. I mean, none of those portals were around. Now we have we have a, a diesel truck loaded with TNT cruising down the internet at breakneck speeds, full of it. And it can range from you chasing an image that's just seductive enough to get you going to full-fledged whatever. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. This is Paul talking to us, 
talking to a church very much like this back in the day. Hasn't changed much. This is why we need to talk about it. Ultimately, it's God saying there's more to sex than skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. Do you trust God in your sexual desire? Do you trust him? Will he fulfill your need and want in that area in a holy, loving way? Will he? Keep asking that. The two become one. It says, as written in Scripture. So it's more than... It's, it's more, it's, right, ready? Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As is written in the Scripture, the two become one. The two become one. So we're talking about the act of sex. Remember, porn's solo, siloed. It's just you. It's just you imploding unto yourself, healing, if you will, the shame and the guilt or the pressure of your daily lives without any intentionality to having God or the physical, your friends, family, confidants, accountability partners in on the mix. Two people. Next one for me. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, meaning God, and I hope that is your hope today. That's why we're in church, right? We want to get closer to God. You know, we, want, we want to feel that connection, his arms, Abba, right? Abba. Brennan Manning, a wonderful guy who wrote a book called uh, um, um, Abba's Child, who, who, who talks in terms of God reaching out and grabbing us. And that's ultimately where we sit. That's why we're in here today, because in some history of your faith, you felt that touch. Abba, being one with him. That's awesome. We must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy. Again, the porn industry is going to tell you what it looks like, what it needs to be like, what it feels like, what you should wear, how you should talk. That's the porn industry, doing every, educating you on everything to keep you siloed, alone, and all to yourself, away from God's intimate connection of two people doing something so wonderful, and it's just great. We must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy. At the end of the day, with 24 years married, sex is not the most important thing in my marriage. It's important, don't get me wrong. But it's not the most important. It's the connectivity I have with Diane. It's the understanding that right now I've been away from her for two days, and I'm already like, oh man, I can't wait to see her so she can threaten me in her Sicilian way <laughs> with a knife. John and his wife were sitting up here earlier, and it's not just because they're pastor or pastor's wife. He had his arm around her. She had his, his hand, like on his hand. And, and it, it was like, it was, there, was a, there was a connectivity there, an intimate. Look at this over here, the arm. I mean, wow, wow, look at it. Understand it amongst ourselves. That's where God's going. The kind of sex that can never become one. Stay away from the sex that can become one. Next one for me. Is that it? No, that's it, yeah. There is a sense in which sexual sin, up here on the screen, sexual sins are different from all others. There is a sense that sexual sin, this is really like the first time that, you know, in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, where he's calling out one like a firework. Look at that one. 
like a firework. You know, we do it for the July. Ah, oh, I love the red ones. I love. He's calling this one out. There's a sense in which sexual sins are, are different from all the others. Hmm. Makes you go, what? Hmm. In sexual sin, we violate the, sac- the sacredness of our own bodies. Who does this belong to? Who does this belong to? These bodies are what we're made for, God-given, and God-molded love for becoming one with another. Points it out as a firework. Yo, if you're desiring sex without intimate connection, do you see it? Do you see it right there? You better watch yourself because the vortex is spinning inside of you that'll keep you alone and lonely and scared and pressured and sneaking and lying, and that's the truth. And ultimately, truth sets you free. Yesterday, a guy reminded me after the men's group, and I'm grateful that he did, when we put on the armor of God, that that first one was the belt of truth, right? It's the belt of truth. Truth, honesty, what is it? You're the pastor, help me. It's a belt of truth. I know, I'm just busting his chops. Truth is that God's truth, just slap on God's truth and go, here I come, God's truth. Not necessarily... But at the end, it's the truth of who we are as a people who believe what we do, who we are, how we act. And we're all the same at the end of the day. Yes, we have little different, different, I mean, John and I, I mean, John is a lot different than me. Like, he lied to me yesterday about hiking up a mountain, completely lied to me. He's like, we're going for a walk, and then all of a sudden, I'm on some big mountain. I'm like, that's different than me. I would rather go sit and have coffee, for the record. We're all different, but at the end of the day, we all vibe the same. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We need to sincerely look at that. Sincerely understand what that means. If you are off the rail with this issue, drive it back to that scripture. And who are you intimately connected with? Intimacy is the greatest thing that God gives us, truthfully. Truthfully, Jesus was no stranger to intimacy with the 12 disciples. You go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you hear his words. There was never shame. There was never guilt. Jesus never led with shame or guilt. Even when he was talking to Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day who had had it all screwed up, he never even did shame or guilt with them. He did nothing but the power of his majesty and love to free ourselves from what and who we are. And if you go into the world and you dabble into sexual desires that are not, that are not his and yours alone, there will be trouble. But we need to understand that we do. And not keep ourselves so puritanically close to the vest that we believe that this room doesn't because it is a $42 billion a year industry and somebody's buying it. In my house, I have a, an 11, 12, and 16-year-old girl. My 11-year-old admits to me, yo, I watch porn. I didn't smack him. I didn't ground him. I didn't send him to his room. I didn't even break the computer. I sat down and I said, what did you see? Let's talk about it. And he told me exactly what he saw. And then I told him exactly the truth. 
that for the rest of your life, little Zian, his name is Zian, they named him Zian, Zian, Z-I-A-N, it means peace. Zian, nothing that you saw was true between me and mommy. Because what mommy and I have, in some form, what you saw, yes. But on the greater scheme is 24 years of intimate connection with another human being inspired by Godfather, nothing that I have done and nothing that your mom has done. My 13-year-old, Dad, I watch porn too. Now that you're talking about it, I, I saw it too. All right, sit down. My 16-year-old, 16-year-old girl, and I can show you a picture of her later. Beautiful. I mean, I don't even want to think about it. Like any guy that gets near her is in trouble because I'll probably hurt them. But she struggles right now with the understanding that her value is not her boobs or butt. That her value is not her makeup or hair. That her value isn't what some other dude is looking at and talking about as she walks by. That her value is not her cleavage in some shirt that she bought from some department store. She struggles with that value. And then here comes me. You want to know your value? It's an intimate connection between you, me, mommy, your brothers, and I hope to God, God. but I know you're going to derail, but I know it's going to be hard, but I know you're going to fail. Z, and I know you'll probably look at it again. Angel, I know you'll probably get to it again. Mia, I know, I know your body, like you like to shine that a little bit so people pay attention, so I know it's there. Will God take care of our sexual desire? It's either yes or no. And if it's maybe, then we need more discourse between each other. The point I'm making is we're going to fail. God knows you're going to fail. I know you're going to fail. Where is their hope in failure? Where is their hope in failure? Hope in failure can be found in, in a couple different places. I'm not that preacher that's going to go, it's in Jesus, just drive out of here going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes, it's in Jesus. But it's among us. It's among us. Who watched the Cubs win the World Series? Now, I will use, yes, I know, good for y'all, good. I know I'm going to use a sports analogy right now. Sorry, but we watched it. In the ninth inning, was the rain delay in the eighth or the ninth? What was it? Wherever the rain delay is. Remember the rain delay in the last game? A guy walks into the clubhouse with the other members of his team on the Cubs, and he says, have you forgotten who we are? Have you forgotten where we came from? Have you forgotten that we're in the World Series? Oh, by the way, it's game seven, and we need one run to win this. Have you forgotten that? And they came back out and won the World Series. Neither here nor there when it comes to our spiritual condition at the end of the day. But here's a group of people that I'm going to say, have you forgotten who we are? Have you forgotten that when you come here and you leave here, most days, I'm sure, you feel better. Most days. That was a hit on you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Have you forgotten that the people that are intimately connected with you right now and that you hang with and that you emote with and that you talk to are there for you? Don't forget that. 
Don't forget that. Don't forget that this is a place that has created this environment for you. And it is on fire. It is on fire. My last hope for you, and then I'm going to be quiet, and we're all going to go to Maple Sugar Land. What is it? Sugar Maple? I would rename it. Let's go to Weaver's and get donuts. Y'all see the machine? Right? I thought it was like, woo, look at that machine. And then John was like, come on. <laughs> I like the little machine. Are they good? Do they put, what do you put on, like sugar? So you're like, oh, yes, oh, yes, they're good. I'll see you there later. Absolutely. It's closed today? Oh, yeah, sorry. Woo. It tells you where I'm at. Apologize. My last hope for you is that you find integrity and accountability. Integrity inside of accountability. So here's what I'm talking about. I do not like going to the men's groups and pulling a chair in a circle and going, oh, I screwed up this week. Woo-hoo. I hate that. I, hate, I like even like I wake up in the morning knowing I got to go to some men's group at five or whatever it is and you have to bring a dish and I, oh, I hate it. I, but you know what I love? I love going and connecting with my friends that are dudes where we sit around and we are honest and open and maybe we occasionally mock a few people here and there. Maybe, maybe not. You're not supposed to, but maybe we do. Maybe we talk bad about John. Maybe we do. I don't know. (laughs) The incentive for accountability is friendship. The incentive, if you're taking a note, if the incentive for accountability is friendship, in other words, if you're going to get accountability, and you should... It should be friendship. It should be locked in friendship. It shouldn't come out of the guises of friendship ever. In other words, if you're going to your accountability group and it sucks, fine, that's the wrong group to go to. That's not what God has called us to do. Galatians 6, do we have Galatians 6 up? Don't worry about it. In Galatians 6, he spells out real clearly that you and I are to be doing this. Galatians 6, 1 maybe? Oh, there it is. Don't touch it. You're the best, dude. You're like magic Bible guy. Wow. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, again, remember what I said, the guises for accountability need to be friendship. You hear that? If your group is sucking, I need you to find another group with the incentive of friendship. Brothers and sisters, if someone who is caught in a sin, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, should restore that person gently. Now, for the record, that first person isn't necessarily unspiritual. People teach that. Like the first person we're talking about here is some kind of like heathen. Like he would want to go to Weaver's on Sunday. <laughs> no, that first person is a brother or a sister. And in, and, and in, and in this case, the writer is talking about people who believe. Whew, that's my theology for the day. It's hurt me. Brothers and sisters, if somebody is caught in a sin, you, look at it on the screen. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Do you want to know the translation of gently? Gently. Gently. You don't take a hammer. You don't bust people upside the head. You don't kick them out of your church. Gently, because you yourself will be the first person someday. And then someday you'll be the second person. That's a good group 
That's the group I want to go to. Look, look at the rest of this craziness. Ready? No, no, no. Go back. I'm sorry. You're the man, but you jumped me. Sorry. Who's doing it? Is it who, which one of you is doing it? Are you doing it? Yeah, okay. We'll talk later. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ready? W- watch this. This is how you become the first person. This is so great. The Bible's pretty amazing, y'all, when you got a guy like me reading it, because I'm like, wow. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. So imagine this group back in the day that he's writing about. People are coming together. First person's got a problem. Second person's going to help. And then it switches because there's been a temptation that unfortunately might have been crumbled to. And now first person becomes second person. Second becomes first person. Are you hearing me? It should be friendship. Not here's my accountability partner to bust my chops. Next one. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Here I'll do theological stuff real quickly. The law of Christ is love. That's the law. The law is love. It is not some crazy Calvinistic stream of black and white, and if you do it wrong, you're in trouble. And I'm not busting on Calvinists. I'm not. I love them. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law, the love of Christ. So imagine this group. First person's got a trouble. Second person helps out. Now we're going to carry each other's burdens and there's love that fills the room, and now all of a sudden dudes are coming together and they're dropping the, hey, what's up, how you doing? I might have been struggling a little bit lately. And you're embracing with love, and for the women it's the same way. My, my wife leads groups, it's the same way. They all come in, oh, hi, how was your day? My kids are perfect, how are yours? Right? Was that insulting? Maybe, I apologize. Next one. If anyone thinks, here's what's great, and I'm going to stop because I know I'm hungry too. If anyone thinks, listen, listen to this. Listen to this integrity and accountability. This is awesome. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. In other words, did you come in here preloaded thinking you got this thing kicked? Look at me. I'm the porn-free guy. Woo-hoo. I'm the guy that doesn't have any trouble. My car's waxed. My wife looks good. I'm happy. Look at the dress. Look. Did you come in thinking that? If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. In this group, in Galatians, there was one dude hurting, another dude taking care of it, two dudes coming together, shouldering the responsibility of one another's burdens, and then they get to the point where they go, stay humble. Because first person becomes second person, and second becomes first sometimes. So again, if you're struggling, no shame, no guilt. If you know somebody who is, no shame, no guilt. Stop it. Don't shame people, y'all. Don't guilt people, please. Don't do it. The American church has done a really good job to this issue, so much so that we don't talk about it. That's why I'm so encouraged by his courage to bring this forward. If you need an act of confession today, please do. The Bible says it real carefully, real clearly. An act of confession is mercy. That's what the Bible says. An act of confession is mercy. You know what the translation of confession is? Just do it. Just do it. Let the truth set you free. Find that cool Galatians group. Love your spouse. Love your teenagers enough to know that they're on fire hormonally. Love your community enough to know that the dot-coms and the surge of porn is not going away and we need one to another. And then finally, in all of that, stay humble to the understanding and realization that you might fail. And you will find 
pockets of intimacy gold. A woman sat in the first service that I hadn't seen in years who lives in West, Westchester, right? Right, Westchester, is that it? She was in Westchester, and I have a pocket of intimate gold with her and her husband because we have shared the discourse of intimacy. We have shared the discourse of one to another, of number one and number two and number two and number one inside of those things. And she cried when she grabbed me and hugged me. And then I got to crying. And you want to know the only thing that was there was intimate connection between two human beings who love God. Put that forward today. Go to the Shady Acres with that today. What is it? Whatever. I love you all. Thank you for your time. Well, as we close this morning, I want to just ask you to listen to the words of this song, and then we'll close in a few moments of prayer.